A major NATO summit is being held in Lithuania this week. What do you need to know as it draws near? And the June jobs report was released on Friday, and does it show signs of a slowing labor market? Information on these stories and more coming up on today's episode of BBP News. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode. Today is Monday, July 10th, of course, the year 2023, and we are here for another Monday news episode. I'm glad to have you guys back. I'm glad to be here. But before we get into any discussion, any conversation, any news, let's get into the weather headed into this week. So we started off in Los Angeles, California, where today it'll be clear with a high of 84 degrees. In Houston, not so clear. You got some isolated thunderstorms rolling through the area with a high of 99 today, continuing that heat wave across the south and southwest area. In Chicago, Illinois, expect some clear skies today with a high of 88 degrees. I think that's the hottest I've seen in Chicago throughout the entire summer so far, or at least for when we do these weather reports. And finally, in New York City, expect some rain to move through today. Rather rainy lately over the past few days with a high of 84 degrees. So that is the weather for this morning and headed into this week. I really don't have much to talk about at the top of the show. Um, you know, really, the only thing that's been going on in recent days and recent times is the weather. It's been so back and forth. It's been so wonky, but I'm not going to get into that anymore. I talk about it enough at the top of these shows. Uh, I wish I had more to talk about, you know, just off the top of my head, but I can't really say that there is anything off the top of my head uh, besides we've got some major uh, games coming up in the MLB soon, the All-Star Games this week. I'm very excited about that home run derby. It's that, you know, fun little five-day period where there's a break from regular baseball. You get to see the All-Star Game. You get to see people hit balls as far as they possibly can and see who wins at it. So <laughs> it's going to be fun to watch. I, I'm excited for that. But enough of that. Enough of the chit-chat. We've got news to get into here. So as you heard in the intro, we have a major NATO summit coming this week in Lithuania. And this will take place on Tuesday and Wednesday. Leaders of NATO countries, including President Biden, will gather in Lithuania to discuss their Ukraine-Russia conflict. There are two main issues that are going to be discussed during this summit. And the first, and perhaps the all-encompassing question, is Ukraine's NATO status. This is something that has been discussed since the beginning of the conflict and even before, but it is a question that is arising once again. Should Ukraine be allowed to start the process to become a NATO member? And it would seem at this point that the answer will be no. According to several outlets, it doesn't seem as if Ukraine will have the votes to begin the process to become a NATO member. 
And they will not have the vote from the United States either, as stated by President Biden on Sunday. In an interview with CNN, President Biden said that Ukraine should not be allowed to begin the process while in the middle of this war and said that there are still other areas that Ukraine must work on before they get the vote of the United States to join. One of those things being the state of democracy within the country. Ukraine, meanwhile, says that if they are not allowed to join the alliance just yet, they would still like securities and assurances that they will not be abandoned by NATO. And this is something that is widely supported with President Biden saying that he wants the U.S. to continue supporting Ukraine in a way that allows them to be independent and defend themselves in a similar fashion to how the U.S. supports Israel. Other countries, mainly those in the east along Ukraine's border, including Poland, Lithuania itself, and others, uh, are wishing for greater assurances from the rest of the NATO allies that Ukraine will eventually be allowed to become a member. But the other question, and kind of the smaller question, is the question of support. Uh, Supply support, military support for Ukraine from these countries. And the U.S. is continuing to support Ukraine in this matter, with President Biden making the decision on Friday to send cluster munitions to Ukraine, a weapon that is banned by two-thirds of NATO nations because of their record of civilian casualties. The U.S., Ukraine, and Russia are three countries that have not signed the convention that has been signed by over 120 other countries to ban the weapon. As the summit occurs and unfolds, we will be sure to update you in Friday's show of any major developments. For the first time in 15 years, the exam to gain citizenship here in the United States is changing. It was actually set to undergo a change back in 2020 during the Trump presidency. The former president's administration had worked to make the test longer and was considered to be more difficult. However, in 2021, after taking office, President Biden signed an executive order lowering barriers for immigration, and this included reverting the test back to its prior format. But now, after 15 years, like I said, it is undergoing a change that has some immigration supporters and analysts growing concerned over the proposed changes. The first major change is to the speaking portion of the test. In the current state of the test, the applicant has to answer personal questions asked by the test officer. These are questions that were already asked before in the applicant's paperwork and has to do with the applicant themselves. In this new test, the officer will show a picture of a normal daily item, whether it be an activity, food, weather, etc. Now, this has been said to be more difficult by people who have undergone the immigration test in the past, as well as language analysts and others, because it requires a broader knowledge of the English language. When answering personal questions, applicants can refer back to things, you know, regarding themselves, regarding things that they had already answered in the paperwork beforehand. But now, with this change, they will have to call upon other areas of their English knowledge, and that is said to be more difficult. It can create more stress and add to the pressure that they are already feeling just by being in the test room, just by undergoing the test itself. 
So this is one concern over this change, but that is not the only change that is taking place. The other major change comes in the civics, U.S. government, and history portion. This is the part of the test that you see online all the time. You may come across this part on TikTok and such or on YouTube where you have people showing videos of the 100 question pool that can be asked for this section. Applicants have to answer six out of 10 questions correctly. They don't know which 10 questions they are getting from that 100 question pool, though they are allowed to study it beforehand. Well, the change comes in how they answer these questions. In its current format, this part of the test is a short answer section. So for example, if an applicant was asked, name a war that the U.S. took part in during the 1900s. Well, in that case, the applicant can write down either you know, World War II, Korean War, Vietnam War, World War I, and there's one other that is escaping my mind. But these are you know, choices that they could write down and be done with it. Well, in its new format in the proposed change, this section of the test would become multiple choice. And this again has uh, immigration supporters and language analysts concerned because of the broader language requirement that would be needed and a broader just general knowledge of the country that would be needed. Uh, a larger base of knowledge would be needed because in this multiple choice format, the question would be, which of these wars did the U.S. take part in in the 1900s? And then you'd see four answer choices, five answer choices, somewhere along that line, including wars from the 1800s, to 1700s, etc. Things that did not happen in the 1900s or things that the U.S. did not take part in. So this requires a broader knowledge base of the United States and its history and this has people concerned because of, again, the pressures that already take place by taking the test. Uh, they fear that the larger requirement will put too much pressure on the test taker. They might not have a lot of test taking experience as it is, depending on what country these people come from. And so that is the major concern there. U.S. Citizenship and Immigration Services said that the reasoning for these changes is to better standardize the test for the future. There will be a trial period throughout 2023, and that is nationwide, as well as a public commenting period. The results and comments will then be reviewed, and a decision will be made on these proposed changes. If these changes are to be approved and go through, then they could take effect starting late next year. The June jobs report came out on Friday, and it could show signs of the U.S. labor market starting to putter out after a long stream of unexpected success. According to the report, the U.S. created 209,000 jobs last month. That is down 130,000 jobs from May's number of 339,000. This total also falls far below what was expected by economic experts, who said that about 240,000 jobs would be created during the month of June. So where were the biggest areas of job growth? 
Well, the top contributor came from an increase in government jobs, which added 60,000 jobs in the month of June, mainly at the state and local levels. Meanwhile, healthcare added 41,000 jobs, social assistance 24,000, and construction 23,000. Meanwhile, there were also areas of job loss coming in retail, which lost 11,000 jobs, and transportation and warehousing, which lost 7,000. That all being said, unemployment did take a step in the right direction, dropping to 3.6%, a 0.1% improvement from May's numbers. However, a more encompassing jobless percentage, which includes discouraged workers and those taking part-time jobs for economic reasons, rose in June, increasing to 6.9%, the highest it has been since August of 2022. This seems to have played a part in enticing the Fed to raise interest rates once again once they meet this month, despite leaving them alone for the first time in 15 months back in June. An increase on rates is not a guarantee just yet, and we do still have the inflation report to look forward to this week, set to come out on Wednesday. That will give us a better look at the overall state of the economy here in the United States, and it could further indicate whether those rates are touched once again. And if they are, they are expected to be raised by a quarter percentage, as has been the norm for the past few months. Now getting into rapid news, disgraced sports doctor Larry Nasser, convicted of sexually abusing female gymnasts, was stabbed several times at a federal prison, and about 84,000 womb children's bicycles have been recalled by federal regulators due to an issue that could lead the handlebars separating from the rest of the bike. Now we get into good news for today, and for this one, I just kind of have a very touching story. So, a man by the name of Kevin, he was a World War II veteran, and over 70 years later, 74 years later, after he first met his wife, he returned to the place where he met his wife. So, the club in question used to be a popular spot for military members. It would be a great spot for them to go, enjoy the music, dance with women, uh, things like that. And so Kevin had actually met his wife, Molly, at this club, at this spot back in the 1940s. And they proceeded to get married, have uh, multiple children, and just have a wonderful life together until she passed away. Well, the club that they first met at was being reopened. It had been refurbished and reopened, renovated, and Kevin saw this and wanted to go out dancing. He wanted to return to the spot where he first met his wife. And so he had originally asked his caregiver, and she was very concerned about it because, you know, this was going to be a modern style club. You know, loud music, strobing lights, lots of younger people, all that. And so what she did was she called down to the club and talked to the manager there who told her to bring Kevin in before the club actually opened to the general public. And 
They did, and Kevin got to enjoy some old 1940s-style music, got to dance, and they even put on a slower song to end the set for him, and he actually acted as an inspiration for the club, who said that they are now working on creating an over-60s event once a month where they will play music from the 1940s, 50s, and 60s for these people to enjoy. So he is inspired. Kevin has inspired this club to hold an event for all these people, uh, you know, for anyone that wants to come, but mainly an over 60s event, which is just really cool and all in a very touching gesture to return to the place where he met his wife 74 years earlier. So you kind of have a two-tiered good news story on this one and really it is just a touching story through and through i love this one i hope you guys do as well but that is the end of today's episode uh today's but we will not be gone for long you can join us this afternoon on clubhouse link in the show notes for that we'll be live streaming the episode once again but we will also have other news to talk about and other things to talk about in that room so don't miss out on that 2 p.m eastern standard time for that room uh we will be back tomorrow morning for another episode of eye on the ball eye on the ball comes back after the hiatus last tuesday but We have a lot to talk about with the All-Star Game and some soccer transfers and a major retirement in the game of soccer. So don't miss out on that, you guys. We'll be back real soon. Have a great start to your week, and we will see you. Bye, guys.